the relationship between self-ownership and non-attachment. Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. I want to be free so I don't fool myself into thinking that I am, not for a moment. There is so much we are held captive by in our modern society. I have written extensively about this in a piece I did about conditioning. I think that has been obvious for a while, but I believe that it is now becoming a growing collective awareness. I'm encouraged by that. Somehow, some of us are beginning to understand that we are not living how a natural human is intended to. And a lot of us are done with systems as they currently are. I know I am. And if you are reading this, you may feel similarly. I believe our great-grandparents probably had a better idea of what freedom is than we do now. It was by no means an easy life. And they were not free either, but they enjoyed a lot more freedom than we currently are. From the time we have a social security number, we are owned by our government and all that operates as a result of it. But I'm not here to talk politics. No one is coming on a white horse to save anyone. Politics is a show for the masses to convince us that we have choices when we do not. It's all theater, in my opinion, and there are no elections. There are only selections. I highly recommend you find a way to watch a movie called The Jones Plantation if you are unconvinced about that. Nonetheless, it would be wise to keep that all in your periphery. There are more important giants to conquer. Freedom is not that simple. It's deeper than moving out to the country, getting rid of social media, becoming more self-sufficient, becoming more connected to nature, or becoming a minimalist. It's deeper than reforming or ridding ourselves of the control structures in our world. In my opinion, those are all wonderful goals, but none of these fully hit the target of what it means to have self-ownership and thus experience the freedom of what it is to have a truly human experience in this earth school. What does it mean to own yourself? The answers to that question might vary, but they all come down to our attachments. My husband and I have been watching a series called Your Honor in the evenings. Without giving too much away, I will say that it's like watching a train wreck you can't easily look away from. The writing is excellent, and the series plays out like a Shakespearean tragedy. Like most of us, the main character is a flawed human with good intentions that tend to become problematic. He is very relatable. His good intentions involve his attachments in this life, as good intentions often do. And his attachments, like all attachments, mimic love when they are not. Love is not attachment, and our attachments can own us more than any control structure can and damage us and others when we cling to them. Attachment involves fear and dependency, and it's a gateway to suffering. That's a hard pill to swallow for most of us, but it's true. By and large, we cause more of our suffering than any evil empire can, as evil as we might believe they are. The main character in your honor at this point in our binge-watching has yet to come to terms with that. He's getting close, but it's painful to watch him struggle because I see myself and so many other well-meaning people in his character. Let go or be dragged, Zen proverb. So again I ask, what is it that owns you? What might you be clinging to? Who are a few of mine that I'm working on integrating? 
attachment to others. Human beings want to belong. We seem to need to. But what if we didn't? What if our idea of needing to belong is more steeped in conditioning rather than in reality? What if we didn't need to belong to feel at peace? What if we learned to be okay whether we were accepted into a relationship or a group or not? What if we felt peace in our aloneness? What if we no longer equate aloneness to the feeling of loneliness? What if we decide that loneliness is no longer the story we choose to tell? What if we come to understand that no matter the distance, we are all connected in the greater web of life? That truly, beyond this illusion, there is no separation. I honestly believe in my heart of hearts that true intimacy in friendship or otherwise is found in non-attachment. The people I'm currently close to in my life and have had the longest relationships with are the ones I've extended the most freedom to, and they have done the same for me. Our relationships are built on acceptance and freedom, and they come and go in my life. Sometimes we resonate, and other times we drift apart, and that's okay. The most painful relationships I have experienced have been with individuals with whom I have projected unreasonable expectations, or vice versa. This is not to say that I don't have standards. I do. Some things are acceptable and unacceptable to me. That, too, is a part of non-attachment. I'm learning to respectfully let go of a relationship that is not aligned. We intersect with one another when there is something to be learned. But we must bear in mind that no intersection is permanent. The journey of life is dynamic, and all the parts, including the characters in our lives, are always in motion. Life is continually moving like a stream to a river, a river to an ocean, and back again. Some interactions are brief and some last a lifetime, or maybe even lifetimes, and some fall somewhere in between. But we're all on the same ride. It seems to me that some of the slowest, slow, or shortest intersections with those on my fractal have brought the most impact in terms of what I have learned from them when I choose to. At least that has been true in my experience. Each existence depends on something else. There are no separate individual existences there are just many names for one existence. Shenru Suzuki. Attachment to outcome. Human beings want to believe that everything will turn out how we expect it to, so we attach our peace to a particular outcome. But what if we didn't? What if we didn't need things to turn out how we might have planned? What if we held our plans lightly and accepted life on its terms, moving with the current instead of fighting it? How might life be different if we relax into the stream of life and float towards our destination instead of clinging to an idea of how it's supposed to be. Are you tired? I am sometimes. And when I am tired, I notice that I have been struggling to force life to be other than it is. It's a strange default mode I find myself in at times, and I can always trace back my fatigue to some sort of Herculean effort on my part to force the proverbial round peg into a square hole. What is not for me is what no longer fits. If I can look at life's circumstances in that way, instead of desperately clinging to an unanticipated outcome, I feel my energy and vitality return to me, and I become open to exploring another path, which may be exactly what is correct for me. A new direction might be a better fit, if you will. Plans are not bad, mind you, but they are damaging when we refuse to loosen our grip on them. Make plans, but let them slip away as needed. 
attachment to external authority. I don't know what to do, so I will consult the authorities, most everyone. That mentality almost cost me my life in 2021. Do you think the expert knows what's correct for you? Are you sure about that? Are they living in your skin, experiencing your life as their own? Do they pay your bills? Do they have to deal with the consequences of your choices? Are they married to your spouse? Are they raising your children? Were they raised by your parents? And an external authority can only direct you as deeply and intimately as they know you. And they can't know you that way. They likely don't even know themselves that well. If you want to hedge a bet on that, go for it. But first ask yourself some questions about that. It won't hurt you to spend some time contemplating those questions. A good guide is someone who listens, does their best to understand you knowing they never fully will, respects your human sovereignty and leads you back to your own inner knowing. That's all they are good for. They do not identify themselves as your authority or make choices for you. A cult leader asks you to completely and unquestionably surrender to their authority. When we think about cults, we think in terms of the obvious ones, the Branch Davidians, Jim Jones's The People's Republic, so many others. Substack writer Sol Luckman has written an excellent book about what constitutes a cult or cultish thinking called The World, Cult, and You, which I highly recommend. You might be surprised by who we surrender our power to with so little consideration. No one knows you like you. So if you don't know yourself, I'd advise making that your top priority for starters. Get acquainted with the amazing, powerful human you are. You will find wisdom embodied within you. Attachment to nostalgia. We tend to put the past on a pedestal. Those were the good old days, right? Things were better back then, we think. But were they? Or were they just different? Did we have different problems? Did we have to find different solutions? In truth, it was hard then, too. It was just a different kind of hard. Nostalgia feels good, but it stills our presence from the present. We can get so caught up in pining for days gone by that we miss today. That is tragic. By the time we turn around, the years might have very well passed us by. Nostalgia might feel good, but it keeps us stuck and prevents us from working toward coming up with new solutions for today's challenges. When I get caught up in nostalgia, it's typically because I'm overwhelmed by now or tomorrow. But what if I fully showed up now? What if I embraced the good, the bad, and the ugly now? What if I trusted life and stopped comparing now with then? Perhaps I might find joy waiting for me once again if I courageously show up today. Comparison is the thief of joy. Remember what came before, but move forward lest you stop moving at all. You are not made to sit this one out. Attachment to the material. How much do we need, or better yet, how much do we believe we need? In seeking to own more, can we be owned by what we seek? I don't watch television, so I don't see a ton of commercials, but I do have social media, and I can barely think of a thing before I see it advertised on my feed. A professor in a business class that I took years ago told the class to sell our product, we needed to convince people that we had something that would solve a problem for them. A problem they might not even know that they have. We needed to make our potential customers believe that their life was incomplete without our product. That was easy because we were all conditioned in Western society that we are lacking all the time. To satisfy our belief that we need more because we are lacking, we sacrifice at the altar of time. In doing so, we lose years 
and all those years might potentially contain. Money is a great servant, but a bad master, Francis Bacon. Attachment to the idea of identity. You may not know who you are. You may be figuring that out, and that's okay because to some varying degree, we all are. But here is what you are not, and maybe in understanding what you are not, you will have a better idea of who you are. You are more than the costume you are wearing. It's only a costume that you have put on for this incarnation. It isn't who you are. It will change age and become obsolete one day it's supposed to. Enjoy it and use it well. You are not your degree or your occupation. You may have worked very hard for these things, and they may be very meaningful to you, but you are more than all of the hats you wear. You are not the various roles you play, mother, father, child, sibling, friend, etc. You are not your race or ethnicity. You are none of these things. You are playing a character, no more, no less. You are no thing, and you are everything. So don't get so involved in the movie that you think for a moment that you are the character. You are so much more. That's all I have to say about that. It's your journey, except for this exceptional quote, you are not just a drop in the ocean. You are the mighty ocean in a drop, Rumi. Attachment to opinions. The longer I live, the more I find out that what I thought I knew yesterday has shifted into something else entirely. And if I hold that lightly and loosen my grip on what I think I know, I grow. If I, reuse to, if I refuse to part with an opinion when better information is introduced, I suffer. It's painful. So I'm learning to hold what I think I believe very lightly. I'm open to shifting should that be necessary. If you have a clear sky tonight, go outside and look up. Do you know what you were looking at? Are you sure? I am not, and I'm not sure that anyone does. It's okay to admit you don't know. There's something so refreshing about answering a question honestly and saying, I don't know. When we can do that, we provide space for additional or better information. When we stubbornly cling to what we think we know, we are no longer teachable. We can stagnate and be, and be polluted with our own self-righteousness, much like a pond with no incoming or outgoing fresh water. I see so much of that these days. So many people are so convinced that they are right that they lack the ability to consider that there might be more to what they insist is the truth. It's a very toxic way to live, and it's sad. And do we consider that what we claim to believe might not even belong to us in the first place? I like this quote by Oscar Wilde. Most people are other people. Their thoughts are someone else's opinion. Their lives a mimicry. Their passions a quotation. When we hold opinions lightly and are open to considering that perhaps we may not have the full picture, we create exciting possibilities and the beautiful potential for connection and growth. So I'll ask again, not because I'm demanding an answer, but because it's a worthy contemplation for all of us. What owns you? Thanks for listening.